Thanks for joining us today at Liberty City Podcast. Liberty City values each person's unique experience of faith, and we hope that this word impacts you today. Well, hey, everybody, how's it going? This is the week following Easter. Hope you didn't have too much chocolate. Ah, who cares? I hope you had heaps. I hope you had more than enough. I hope you had a prosperous amount of chocolate last week. What a great time it was for those here in Ottawa that gathered physically. It was our first time gathering in 2021. Ken Bandy preaching, had the best time, and uh, maxed out on our online registration. So even uh, even in our lockdown here in Ontario, we're still able to meet. So um, I'm really hoping that if this is a 10 a.m. and you're in the city and there's still room in those regos, jump on because we'd love to see you this afternoon uh, with all of the, following all of the health guidelines. Uh, but if you have a Bible, turn with me, the book of Luke chapter 24 and verse 1. I want to talk to you today uh, on the topic of, and the, the title of the sermon is, What's Next? What's Next? We've just had Easter, but what happens after Easter? What did Jesus do next? What did the apostles do? The disciples, what did they do next? And the Bible says in Luke 24 verse 1, that very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, the woman went to the tomb, bringing fragrant spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And when they went in, they found they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. They didn't know what to do at this time. Suddenly, two men standing beside them in gleaming white, bright clothing were standing there. The women were frightened and bowed their faces toward the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He isn't here, but he has been raised. Remember what he told you while he was still here in Galilee, that the human one, uh, sorry, that the human one must be handed over to sinners, be crucified, and on the third day rise again. When they remembered his words, when they returned from the tomb, they reported all of these things to the eleven and all of the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other woman with them who told these things to the apostles. Very much an Easter passage for us as we kind of just go back a week before we launch into the future and answer this question, what's next? Father, we pray, God, that you'd be with us today. Speak to us. God, have your way. God, move, we ask. Father, we pray that you would uh, just anoint our time together. God, in every dining room, kitchen, lounge, every every space, um, every device, God, in Ontario, in Ottawa, in wider Ontario, in Canada, uh, those watching in Australia, in New Zealand, those downloading our podcasts in Europe and in the States. Father, we pray that you'd be with us today as we listen and lean into your word, we ask in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. The amazing thing about Easter is not his, his arrest, his betrayal, his beating, his death. Uh, the amazing thing about Easter, quite simply, is the fact that he rose again. The shortest sermon, I think, in the history of sermons was an Easter time one year. The pastor came into the church, shouted at the top of his lungs, he is risen, and then ran out of the church. That the message of Easter is that the resurrection is the best part of human history. It's the greatest moment of our, of our time on this planet. That his whole life was building to that moment. And truthfully, friends, our whole lives have been building to this moment. We will receive the good news of the gospel of the risen 
Lord Jesus, not the dead Lord Jesus, but the risen Lord, that by coming again and rising again, that Jesus gave us a second chance. Isn't that just the best thing? A second chance, a do-over, a get-out-of-jail-free card in relationships. How many times have you and I, mainly me, say something, do something, act a certain way, and instantly want to take back and redo what it is you said? Look what happens to me every single day. Jesus gives us that chance for a do-over, for a redo. I've just finished four weeks of renovations in the month of March in my brand new home here in Ottawa to think that our family, the Mary Churches, now own land and a home in Canada for which to launch and see God do something great in this nation, to believe for a revival, for a spiritual awakening in the great nation of Canada, our home for us is truly something that is still still dawning on us. But what's not dawning on me is that it took me four weeks to get the house ready for my family to move in. During the renovations, had some help from the great Mike Humphrey, Pat Fraser, Zeke Torres. We had a great time renovating with the help of a few others. But for the most part, I was there every day working 16, 18 hour days to get the house ready. Uh, made me think about a bunch of people in our church that renovate homes and, and do kinds of things like that. Some hardworking people out there. But I was in the, I was in the house and you know, I was getting reasonably good at a few things. You know, I'm a good painter. Uh, got reasonably good at mudding and hanging drywall and demolition. Obviously, it's not too difficult, but framing and, you know, handling power tools. But there was this one moment where I, I don't know what happened. Maybe on a particularly tired day, we had the electricians through and they put in the power sockets, the power outlets, and we then drywalled over those power outlets. Then they, after their what's called roughing, the electricians come back a couple of weeks later to finish off the home, to put on the, you know, like every power socket. I'm looking for one. There's none next to it. Um, oh, I've just remembered that I left my charger at the office yesterday and it's down here. Do you mind if I grab it? and put it in my bag real quick. I'll be right back. How important, I mean, how important. You can't lose these things. And look, whether Chris edits this out or not, Liberty City represents. And so the electrician comes back and he's standing in the kitchen. You know, he's come back to finish up and put the covers on the power outlet. And he's looking at the, um, in the kitchen, he's looking at like by the fridge area in our countertop, by the backsplash. And he's like, Levi, there should be a power outlet right there. But I was like, oh, what do you mean? He's like, well, we, two weeks ago when we were here, we put a power outlet right there. There's one every six feet at countertop height in your kitchen. I was like, well, you know, and there was nothing there, but there was fresh drywall had been mudded. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he's like, I'm like, well, clearly there isn't. You know, he goes, well, I'm sure, I'm 99% sure that there should be. And that behind the drywall there is. And I was like, well, I'm 99% sure there isn't. And he's like, I looked at him and I said, look, if you're asking me for permission, if you can, you know, um, cut open the drywall to see what's behind it, I said, go for it, man, be my guest. And he's like, great, thanks. Grabs his drywall knife, starts cutting through, and, and lo and behold, right there where he says is a, uh, is a power outlet. And I was like, okay, so, sorry, man. Like, I'm actually glad to be wrong, because if there wasn't one, there needed to be one by law at code, so he would have to then fish another line and, and create a power outlet. So I was like really glad that it only took the electrician five additional minutes to cut a hole out from the drywall. In that moment, I, I think it occurred to me, like those are one of those moments where you're kind of embarrassed, trying to look cool in front of the boys, the electrician, the contractor comes through, you're like, hey man, like I just hung this drywall. You know, he's like, well, you covered my power out there. He's like, uh, I don't think I did. You know, he's like, well, you did. He's like, uh, and you're right. And now I'm embarrassed. How good would a do-over be? Just to not have that moment where you have to in front of everybody and now in front of the church and every public space, 
say, hey, um, I, uh, I put my foot in it. I, <laughs> I, I drywalled over a power outlet. Okay, 10 minutes later, he says, Levi, you got a second, mate? Come through, yeah, man, what's up? He's in another room in what we call the black room or the, the, like the adult's lounge space. He's looking down the wall and he can see a bevel in the wall where I've covered up um, you know, uh, um, another outlet, which I thought was a coax, like cable, cable, cable TV. He's like, you've done it again, mate. I was like, there's no way that that one there, that you and I can both just see, it's not perfect, is your electrical outlet. He goes, it is, because there has to be one every 12 feet in this room. And I was like, come on, man. I was like, go for it, again. So two outlets in one day, I either drywalled over or completely covered over. I say all of that to say this. You and I do things like that every day. Help me now. We do. We do things every day that we wish we could redo. But because of Jesus, he gives us that chance. Not to redo and undo things we've said. Not to redo or undo drywalling over power outlets. But to give us the chance to redo our lives. To have a second chance at life because now we have empowerment from him. We have grace. We have the ability to overcome our shortfalls and our sin. But I guess this begs the question that once we have this monumental moment of the empty tomb, which is the greatest empty vessel in the history of mankind, that Jesus rose again, gives us another chance. I guess it begs the question is, then what? What's next? What happens after Easter? We have the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Then we have the book of Acts or the Acts of the Apostles. And there's this moment after Jesus comes back, is resurrected from the dead, before he um, ascends to heaven and kind of just like hands over to us to do our thing, empowers us with the Holy Spirit, before we kick into the book of Acts. There's a few little verses in there, like in the book of Matthew, I think it's 20 verses. Book of The book of Mark, I think it's 20 to 22 verses. I think in the book of Luke, it's about 50 verses in the book of John. It's two chapters. So you've got the life of Christ, the ministry of Christ, death, resurrection, Easter time, 20 verses, two chapters. Like all in all, like maybe 100 to 150 verses of scripture in the life of Christ after the fact. Like if you read a book that's been updated, have you ever read a book that's been updated? So a book's been published and you read, it's great. And then they re-release it. You know, so it'll be like um, Bob Iger's like ride of a lifetime, Disney CEO. In five years, they'll do an update. You know, um, uh, Barack Obama's The Promised Land. In five years, they'll do an update because they, they want you to know what's happened in their life since. Like Bob Iger then resigned as the CEO or they did another great thing that he, they want to tell you about. You know, bought Pixar, whatever the standard other thing. Oh, Disney buys Apple. They want to put that in. It's like, I think it's called a prologue. It's like afterwards. It's like after the fact footnote. Here's Jesus, has done his thing. Died, been resurrected, about to ascend. He's like, I just got a minute here. I just want to do a couple of things before I go. And I guess today, that's what I want to talk to us about. What's next? What happened after Easter? Let's look at Jesus and find out. So if you're taking notes, there's three things that I notice in those chapters in the little slither of scripture that I want to encourage us with today. And if you're taking notes, you can write down the first one. And the first one is this. Jesus bought a new covenant. A new covenant. A new covenant. Covenant. Super Christian language, isn't it? Well, it means contract or bond or relationship. In a sense, Jesus bought a new way of doing things, a new outline, new parameters, a new relationship. Um, 
There's a guy in our church who works in like a super, like an ultra, like an uber clean lab laboratory. He's, he's like works with like microchips. He's wearing a hazmat, hairnet, highly sanitized, working with like 18 layers of micro, like copper and glass and just like crazy stuff, like, like just an absolute beast, just super clever guy. And the, the cleanliness of the space that he has so that he doesn't have to, so that there's no dirt that can get into that space to ruin their work is crazy. How hard do we work to keep this? I mean, the Google factories and microchip factories in the state, in China are like thousands of times more clean than hospitals. Isn't that crazy, right? It's kind of backwards. But we keep things clean to keep dirt out. Heaven is like that. And the new covenant that Jesus bought helped us get that clean to get to heaven. Do you know what I mean? Like God's not concerned about dirt in heaven, but pride and attitudes and arrogance and rebellion. You know, like that, those are things he's concerned about. So he's like, they, they can't be here because God is holy and we are not. And Jesus is like, okay, let, let me help you bridge the gap. You can't get that clean. That's too hard. But you can repent and be washed by the blood. So the new covenant that he creates with us helps us bridge the gap between our unholy lives and our inherent unholiness and God's holiness. We're being made perfect and holy through Jesus. He brought a new way, a new way of life. He brought a new way of living. And indeed, he brought a new way of dying. He paid the price. He shed the blood. The sacrificial laws of the covenant made with Moses are now fulfilled because of Jesus. There are still ceremonial laws that remain. There are still moral laws that remain. I still don't kill people. I still don't commit adultery. I still believe in marriage. There are things that are in the Bible from the Old Testament that carry through, but there are some that do not. And the sacrificial laws were fulfilled by Jesus because of the shedding of his blood. I now no longer have to live in fear of the shedding of my own blood or the fear of losing my own life for atone for my own sin because Jesus has done that. Friends, it will be one of my lifelong goals to have conversations like this with you without talking about blood and sacrifice and atonement and forgiveness and repentance and covenant. I try all the time to figure out different ways of communicating some of these classic things. But at the end of the day, I find it inherently difficult because we have to acknowledge the price that Jesus paid, the blood that was shed. He is, the Bible says, the once and for all time sacrifice. Hebrews 10.10 says that we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Jesus doesn't emphasize action for life change. He emphasizes repentance for life change. That's the big difference between the old covenant and the new covenant, the new way that Jesus brought. He is highly concerned about your heart and about your standing before God and your humility before him and repentance in order to engage in life with him. Then he is concerned about the actions that you have to try and get clean to have that same relationship. Today, firstly, let's acknowledge that once Jesus' resurrection happened, it gives us our first glimpse into this new covenant, this new bond, this new relationship, this new way of life centered around him, created by him, built for him. And in the middle, my friends, is him, a new covenant. The second thing I notice in the slither of scripture that we're looking at today is that Jesus gives to us not just the new covenant, but he gives to us 
the Holy Spirit. In John 20, we see this wonderful dialogue between Jesus and his disciples. And it goes like this, John 20, 19 through 22. It says, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, when the doors were locked for fear of the Jews, of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them. You know, how funny is that? Like we're in a room like freaking out and all of a sudden he's there. You know, it's like, you know, he just came and stood among them. He's like, hey guys, you know, just brilliant. Um, Peace be with you, he says. And after he said this, uh, he showed them his hands and his side and they were overjoyed that they saw the Lord. Verse 21, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. Can I just take a minute, maybe just to like skirt, just a little segue, just a little tangent. May I? May I take a second to say something that's off script? I think I will. And that is this. How often does the Bible speak about peace? Angel of the Lord turns up, peace be with you. Jesus, peace be with you. And then like a second goes by, he's like, hey, peace. Like peace be with you. Like I bring peace. He's the Prince of Peace. That that in the middle of everything we face in the world today, peace be with you. Like it's a peace that transcends understanding. So what that means is it's is it's beyond what you can think or logically create to find peace. He imparts peace and brings peace. And we are peace bringers and peace givers and peacemakers and peace keepers because of him. Verse 22, uh, verse 21, one more time. Peace be with you as the Father has sent me. Note this. So I am sending you new covenant, a new way, a new relationship, peace, sending. And verse 22 says this, and with that he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. This is interesting. This is crazy. This is magic. But by magic, I don't mean like in the like truest sense of the word. I mean more like, this is like, this is magical. This is special. This is, this is wow. Because you have, okay. Give me a second. We believe in God. We believe in God the Father, but we believe that he's a triune God that has three, three persons, three natures, one God. Three manifestations. Three, you know, ice, water, steam, H2O. It's one one God, three beings, three persons, three manifestations, three parts to the same triune God. We, we, the Trinity is a word we use to kind of describe that. God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There aren't many times in the Bible where all three like are present in a way that we can comprehend. Um, when, when Jesus is baptized, so here Jesus is, I'm being baptized. God the Father speaking, this is my son who I'm well pleased. And the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove coming down and resting on, on Jesus. So we have the three in one. This is a moment where we've got two in one. Special. Crazy. So we have Jesus breathing on them and saying, receive the Holy Spirit. So just to throw back to our Easter, stone is rolled away. Jesus comes back, and in the slither of scripture we're talking about today, he's like, hey guys, turns up they're afraid, he's like, hey guys, well, first of all, I brought a new covenant, peace be with you, I'm sending you, but hey man, receive the Holy Spirit. Like, we have one member of the Godhead ushering in the next member, or another member of the Godhead. Amazing to think that when Jesus was baptized and the three members of the Godhead were present, that the next thing that happened was he was tested in the wilderness, 
But then he preached to people, reached people, helped people. That you and I right now are in a wilderness, tested, but filled with the Holy Spirit, led by Jesus. But now we pivot into helping others, preaching to people, bringing hope and peace. What a moment, man. Brings a new covenant, ushers in the Holy Spirit, the empowering, helping, infilling member of the Trinity, of the Godhead. The empowering, helping, embodying, we imbibe the Holy Spirit. We have fruits of the Holy Spirit, the values that he brings. Like, like there's been an overwhelming transition in the last decade towards superhero films. You don't have to be around our church very long to know that there are some people in the church that, you know, that are pumped. I jumped in this WhatsApp group, which was like a WandaVision WhatsApp group for during the WandaVision, which is like a phase four MCU TV show that was over a few episodes. I lasted two hours in that group. The amount of, because I'm in a few WhatsApp groups and some of them are active, some aren't, whatever. This one was just like, Brrr. this was an international group. There were people from all over the world in this group. Brrr. And it was just like, yo, too much. People love it. 10 years ago, there was like a bad Green Lantern film, a couple of bad um, Superman films, like a, a good Blade film, but two bad sequels, like some weird X-Men films and a reasonably good or one or two or three Spider-Man movies. There was just a smattering. But then there, there became Iron Man, the Avengers, the, the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the MCU, and, and now it's only gaining momentum. Like the Loki trailer, Phase 4 looks sick. Like it's just like, Everyone's down. Like there was a whole re-release of the Justice League, which is DC. Like essentially, like it's gone crazy. These movies are, if you think about it, are about a character who was normal, who now is not normal. You know, what was normal, something happened, not normal. Like normal dude, radioactive spider, Spider-Man. You know, normal guy, uh, gamma radiation, the Hulk. You know what I mean? Like normal dude, build a suit, Iron Man. Normal guy, super soldier serum, Captain America. It's like normal person, something happens, Extraordinary person now. Normal something, not normal. Ordinary something, extraordinary. You know what I mean? Like natural something, supernatural. I say all of that to say this. That is us. This, this is us. This journey is us. Normal people, embrace it. Bitten by a radioactive spider. Touched by heaven. Like, like heaven's helper has helped us. The Holy Spirit is fill, is, has filled us and is filling us. The supernatural has been made available to us. Was normal, touched by God, no longer normal. Set apart, called, blessed, filled with the Holy Spirit. God lives in you. God lives in you. This is remarkable. Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit. We no longer need to contend on our own, to live alone, to be alone. We have the greatest gift. We have the gift of the Holy Spirit. Colossians 1.29 says, To this end, I strenuously, say that 10 times fast, contend. I strenuously contend with all of the energy that Christ so powerfully works within me. Jesus said this, So now go and wait. And then you will receive what? Power from on high. Power from on high. A new covenant the Holy Spirit, and lastly, if you're taking notes, we receive the Great Commission. The Great Commission. Jesus has some final kind of parting words here, some, some wisdom uh, right at the end. You know, um, it would be like if, you know, you always said the, the most important thing last, we well, should. 
It's like, hey, how are you going? Great. Hey, um, thanks for coming to my cottage. It's great that you're staying for the weekend. Uh, here's the heating, the power. Uh, here's salt for the driveway. Um, but whatever you do, don't let the cat out. You know, whatever you do, um, you know, don't leave the lights on. Like whatever you do before you leave, turn the furnace off. Like, you know, you know, it's one of those ones. And so you got Jesus has like lived his life, imparted such wisdom. And, uh, I mean, that's an understatement. Like he's, he's a, he's a cultural revolutionary. He's turned the world upside down. And then he says to us, um, a final thing. Like the last thing, you know, the, in Matthew, I think it's 28. It's the last, it is the last thing he says before he goes. It's the, the ultimate, the final thing. And he says, he says this. He says, go into all nations, um, you know, preaching the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In other words, like in all nations, it's like, man, like for us, like for you, you live in like, I don't know, Renfrew. You're in Perth, Westport. You're in Kingston. You're in Liberty Village. Uh, for you, who's, you're in Auckland, New Zealand. You're in Brisbane, Australia. You're in Minnesota in the States. You know, you're in like Ottawa Valley. Where, what does it mean to go to all the world? Like, well, that's, it always seems elsewhere, eh? You know, but he's, he's crazy. This is crazy. You're in the world. Like you are in all the world right now, wherever you are. In the province of Ontario, you're in the world. So go into where you are and share the good news. Tell people about Jesus and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and we can help you with that. This is the ultimate setup, a new way of doing things, the Holy Spirit, and now a new mission, a goal, a duty, a responsibility. Remember that the mindset of the Jews at the time was not global expansion, uh, uh, sharing. It wasn't like that wasn't a part of the psyche. It was tradition, God's chosen people, Abraham's covenant, beautiful things. And then Jesus comes in and lifts and gives us more and builds on that, gives us a goal and a mission. And these are days where the Great Commission sometimes is the last thing that's on our mind, isn't it? It's like the last commission, you know, like the old commission or the forgotten commission. And these are, there, there are days when I'm more interested in the great survival than I am in the Great Commission. There are days when I'm on the great get through the, the day to get through the great pandemic of the great 21st century than I am interested in the great commission. Um, but there's no asterisk next to the great commission. It doesn't say go into all the nations except in 2021 where, you know, life will be particularly tricky um, for many of you. It doesn't say that. It, it empowers us to live a selfless life still with a new way filled with the Holy Spirit. Maximilian Kolb, who was a, a, a prisoner, 116670, I think was his prison number, was arrested in Poland in February of 1941 and uh, was sent to a concentration camp, Auschwitz death camp. And uh, it was his observation that when people were close to death in the camps, as horrible a scenario as it would have been, when they were close to death, they would stop sharing food. That was his observation. So the closest someone was to knowing that their life was coming to an end, they would stop sharing food. But for the most part before that, all of the inmates would share food. Everyone would share. But it was his observation that, that if they knew they were about to lose their life, to give up, that they would stop sharing. He, he continued to not only share the rations that he was given, but he eventually, in fact, laid down his life for another prisoner at the age of 
young age of 47. We are people like him living for more. We are people like him that are living with the hope of another day, a different future that makes every day on this planet looks better, but, but we know that we have eternity in heaven to look forward to. We are cut from a different cloth. We are made from different material. We are people of the way. We help provide hope where there is no hope in the face of adversity. We love our neighbors. We help people who live around us. We love our family and friends. We have language that can adapt to the circumstances. Language like this. I don't have all the answers, but I do have a hope. I don't have all the answers, but there's a living hope in me. Jesus says, make a difference in my life, even though I don't know what tomorrow will look like. Yeah, it's been tough, but God is working in my life. I don't know why good things happen to bad people, but I know that he is good and I trust that there will be a better day. There will be light at the end of the tunnel. Things are tough, but I've got something that I can hold on to. Messages of hope and peace in your neighborhood. Your neighbors probably are more afraid than you are because some of your neighbors don't have the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. That you can encourage your family and friends in tough times. That there is a living hope and that we have everything we need in us to do everything that he needs from us. That we have a new covenant, the Holy Spirit, and friends today, please acknowledge that you and I, we have the Great Commission, which means that our lives is to live a life beyond ourselves, to volunteer, to help, to reach out, to encourage, to bring hope and bring peace in a time when people need it now, maybe more than ever. If you're here today, you don't know Jesus. You're here and you're not walking with God. You're not right with him. I would love to pray a prayer with you right now that would bridge that gap, start that relationship, acknowledge that I've done wrong. And Jesus, I need you in my life. And so if that's you today, I'd love to pray this prayer with you. So wherever you are, would you close your eyes? Would you mind just for privacy's sake and repeat this prayer after me? It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you. I need you in my life. I ask you, Forgive me of my sin, and I thank you that you do. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Amen. Love you so much. If you prayed that prayer, jump in the chat. Someone's going to reach out to you. So desperately concerned about your life and about your journey with Christ. But can I pray for another group of people? Can I pray this morning, this afternoon, for people who are tuning in and you feel like you have no hope? And you get the covenant thing, like a new way with Jesus. I kind of get that. I'm wrapping my head around it. Holy Spirit, the same. But in terms of a great commission, man, that's the last thing on my mind. But can I encourage you today that because of what Jesus did, he has given us the opportunity to lift our eyes beyond ourselves and see a world that needs hope and help and needs Jesus. And I pray that this week, God will illuminate examples and experiences and moments where you can share hope and peace with others and outlive that great commission and tell people about your walk with Jesus. Father, we pray for our church right now. Father, we're praying that you would touch us, speak to us, give us all that we need right now today to, to make a difference in our lives so that we can outwork that great commission, so that we can be people of responsibility, ambassadors representing you. Not with all of the answers, but we actually do have all of the hope. And Father, we pray right now you'd speak to us, fill us up, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Love you so much. Handing back to our church MCs now. We'll see you next week. We are so glad you joined us at Liberty City Podcast. Please come check us out on social media and find an event to connect with us. 